There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy, and I'm the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Well, this afternoon, I want us to take a look at Galatians chapter 3, and we're going to work through the text a little bit, but mainly what I want to do is talk about uh, how we study our Bibles. Most of us, when we go buy a Bible, you know, we're looking for something specific. Maybe you have one of those dual column Bibles with the references in it, maybe a small type. I like the single column on each page. It's got the reference on the side, New American Standard Bible. Perhaps in your Bible, it's a black lettering and red lettering, the red lettering being for Christ. And we know that that is not the way it was originally. We, we put that in there. Man put it in there to help us in our studies of finding things. Just like the chapters and verses is all man-made. Uh, the original letters were not written that way. In fact, when you go back to the original letters, at least the manuscripts that we have, it was written in Kone Greek. And everything is in uppercase letters. There's no lowercase. So when you're reading it, it's all uppercase. There's no spacing of the words. It's all straight across, no spaces, no question marks, no periods, no commas. And it's one line after another, no paragraph breaks because space was valuable on that parchment. And it, was, you know, it would be difficult to read, at least I would think so, unless you're, you're very uh, practiced at it. And so all of that had to be... Uh, figure it out. They had to figure out where the sentences were, where the paragraphs were. In fact, when you open up different translations, you got the New American Standard, the King James, the New King James. They all have different paragraph breaks and different way of structuring the sentence. That's why we call them the translations, because they're not the actual word for word, but they are written in a way we can understand in English. So we have to be diligent in our study to keep the context, keep things uh, where they're at. And what I want us to look at here in Galatians chapter 3 is recognize how we see all these capital letters uh, throughout there, not just for the beginning of a sentence, but for example, the law in verse 2 is the word law is capitalized. That's because the translators believe that's talking about the Mosaic law. The word spirit is capitalized. If you look in the front preface, You'll see that they think that's divinity. That they're going to think that's the third person of the Godhead. Uh, Jesus, the word Christ, the word God. Uh, but also in verse 5, where it says, So then does he who provides. If you use the New American Standard, you'll see the word he is capitalized. They believe that's talking about God. And I want us to take a look at that. And I want what I want us to do is think about these. Don't just assume that that's right, that that's those words ought to be capitalized. Because when you see that, you may immediately think, indwelling of the Holy Spirit, or the third person of the Godhead, or, well, that must be divine, that must be God, because it's a capitalized He. Study it out within the context and see if that is so. So let's work through these texts and see if that's what uh, should be happening here. Now, this is the beginning in Galatians 3, the beginning of the doctrinal section from Paul to the Galatians. They have been moving away from Christ rather quickly to a Judaistic form of religion. These Judaizers have come in after Paul, 
pretty much telling these folks, oh, well, you may have been baptized, but if you want to be in a right relationship with God, you need to be circumcised, you need to keep certain certain aspects of the Mosaic Law. They were trying to make them all mesh, mesh together, and in their minds, they think you've got to be a Jew first before you can become a Christian. But that's not true. That is false. So Paul starts off in verse 1 of chapter 3, You foolish Galatians! Who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? All right, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Bewitching means who has come over there and pulled the wool over your eyes? And then he says, before whose eyes, that's their eyes, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Somebody came in there and painted a picture for the Galatians, and it was Jesus on the cross. And that's what Paul did for them. He painted it with his words such a picture that they could see Christ, see him on the cross, and help them understand what that means. And, of course, that did something for them. That changed something for them in their lives. And so that comes to verse 2. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? So here's what Paul wants to know. Uh, after everything he's done, all the work he's done, to have to hear from them that, uh, uh, that they're now going to the law. So he wants to find out, okay, did you receive the Spirit, capitalized S, by the works of the law or by hearing with, a, with faith. So if you think that that word spirit ought to be capitalized, and that's fine if you do, then you're probably thinking this is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. When you're baptized, you receive the, the Holy Spirit, many teach, and that they believe that is the indwelling of the third person of the Godhead in the Christian. So did you receive that, Paul's asking, by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? So... The question is, whether, and we'll come back to Spirit here in a moment, if they receive it by the, these works that they are doing in the law or by law, and I don't, I don't think that word law ought to be capitalized. I think it's just law keeping or hearing with faith. The hearing with faith is what they heard from Paul. He is the one that brought the gospel message to them, and when they heard, something changed, didn't it? Something that they began to think differently, didn't they? And they acted on that word. Like Jesus said, all those who hear these words of mine and act on them can be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. They were wise in the beginning because this is how they received the new life. I think that's what Paul's saying when he talks about receive the Spirit. A, the Spirit... When you hear the word spirit, that can, what that means is we all have a spirit. You have a spirit. I have a spirit. Every human being has a spirit. And the spirit is this. It is your mind and your heart. Not your literal mind and heart, but it's the spiritual. And your mind, think of that as this is where all the information in your life com comes to. Uh, whether what you learn in school, what you hear from other people, what you learn by experiences, and what you see and, and, and touch and feel, all these experiences and, and knowledge goes into the mind, and you have it. And whenever uh, you access any of it, it comes down to the heart, and the heart is where you make your decisions. This is where the decision process happens. You ask yourself, 
should I say this? Should I do this? Have I done this before? What, what's the standard that you live by? That's what you're going to ask the questions to. So if your standard is, um, I don't like peas and corn, and you got peas and corn sitting in front of you, your heart will say, should I eat it? And your standard will say, no, don't eat it. And if your standard is Christ, and someone comes along and tells you, you're not actually saved, if you want to be saved, you have to keep the law, and you know what the truth is, you'll, you'll come down to that heart, and your standard there will say, nope, that is not true, that's not what the Word of God says. But of course, you can only know that if you know what the truth is, what the truth says. Uh, I want to find out from you, did you receive the Spirit, this new way of living, this new life that, that you have, Galatians, did you get it by the works of the law? Impossible. Or by hearing with faith. Hearing what? The gospel message. And upon hearing the gospel message, it pierced them. And it made them change. Much like uh, Peter in Acts chapter 2, when he gave that, that sermon there. And at the end of that sermon, preaching to people who knew about the Christ, some of them, if not all of them, were there and were proclaiming, yo, crucify him, you know, and we're all for crucifying Christ, but now upon hearing the evidence presented by Peter, all that he said, it, something pricked them in the heart, right? Uh, the text tells us in Acts 2, verse 37, they were pierced to the heart. And then they said, brethren, what must we do? And then Peter said to them, Acts 2, 38, repent and be baptized, each and every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the promise is for you and your children and all those who are far off. They heard with faith. And now they're starting to are baptized into Christ. That's that being buried into Christ, being raised up into a new life. Romans chapter 12 is transfer, you're transforming, you're renewing the mind every day. And this is what the Galatians ought to be doing. They're living life differently. They're now seeing things from a whole new perspective. They had to die to self in baptism. That's them giving up their own way of doing things. And they take on the spirit of Christ. Over in the letter to the Ephesians, Paul talks about the one new man. And that's Christ. And we all get added to Christ when we were baptized. We're added into Christ. And if you're going to be in this new body where Christ is the head and the church is the body, that means you can't bring in your spirit. You have to take on the spirit of that body, of that heart, and that mind. If you try to bring in yours, it's not going to work, is it? It's going to be like legion. All those demons in legion vying for control of the body and just tearing itself apart. But in Christ, it's one spirit. If you want to take on your, your own spirit, then you're going to get kicked out. You can't do that. You have to take on the spirit of Christ. It's a new way of living. It's a new perspective on life. And that's the spirit that I think Paul is talking about here in verse 2. And we'll see more about that as we continue to work through the text. Verse 3. Are you so foolish? Again, talking to the Galatians. Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? How are they beginning? With a new way of thinking. It's this new life. You started off. When you heard the gospel, you heard, believed, repented, confessed, were baptized, and now you're living the faithful Christian life, but now you're leaving the new life and you're trying to be perfected by the law. Really? That seems a little backwards. And he's going to get into that later on in this chapter. Um, so uh, that being perfected by the flesh uh, means being complete. Are you being, are you being brought to completion by 
the flesh. He's making a comparison again by the spiritual, the spirit, the new life, and the law. Because the law does not change the heart, does it? It only regulates behavior, the outside external things. The law can make you do something, but it can't make you think something. But if you can change a person's heart, their mind and their heart, where they make those decisions, then you really got them, right? You sure do. God's interested in the heart. The righteous man shall live by faith. That's found in the Old Testament. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 4, I think it is. Verse 4, here in Galatians 3. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Christians suffer. And it's obvious when you see a Christian, their life is different. It's always easy for the Jews to find them because of the way they're living and what they're doing. And so they would persecute them. The Galatians were being persecuted. But Paul's wondering, was it in vain? Because now you're moving in this different direction because you're probably not getting persecuted now. Because you're no longer Christians. Verse 5. So then... Does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Now, my, my New American Standard has the word he there capitalized. They believe it's God. Some translations actually say God. Some actually just keep it lowercase. And I can see why people may think this is God because he's the one that provides you with the Spirit, right? But that's not true because look, notice what else it says. So here's what the he is doing. Does he who provides you with the Spirit, and he who works miracles among you, and he who does it by does he do it? Does he does he do it by works of the law, or does he do it by hearing with faith? Does God do these things by hearing with faith? No, he's God. He doesn't need faith or to hear with faith. He is God. He's the one that is sending this information out. Who's the he? It's Paul. It's the same guy from verse uh, verse 2. The one who was portraying Jesus Christ as crucified. Portrayed as crucified to the Galatians. It is Paul who came in and provided them with the new life, this new spirit. And it was confirmed to the Galatians with the miracles. And he's asking, now did I do this by working law? Did you ever see me doing that? No. No. Did you see, but how did I get it? Hearing with faith? Yeah. Same way that you started, and I'm still moving in that direction. Now you're moving away. You think you're moving above me? <laughs> are these who are teaching you this law, are they confirming their words with the miraculous? They sure are not. No way, Jose. They do not have the truth, not like Paul does. The word he here in verse 5 ought to be lower case. Is it a big deal? Are you going to lose your salvation if you see this differently than I do? Not at all. Not at all. But words have definition in context only. The he here, I think, is clearly pointing to Paul. And it can't be God because of the comparison. Does this person who provides the Spirit and works miracles among them do it by the law or by hearing with faith? God does not hear with faith. He's God. Paul does hear with faith. And he and it makes sense because he's the one that brought them the good news, that brought them the new way. He, he provided it. Kind of like a, a, a um, when you go to a restaurant 
and the server comes out, and you make your order, they go in there, they get the food, they bring it out, you know the, the server did not make or prepare the meal, right? The cooks did that. He just provided it to you. He's the mediator. That's Paul. He didn't write the Word of God. Well, you know, I guess in a way he did. He write it, put pen to paper, but he received it from God. He's just providing us with the information he's received from God. It's from God. He's providing it to us, to the Galatians. And that's what's going on here in these first five verses as he's asking these, these rhetorical questions because the, the Galatians are being foolish. And then from there he talks about Abraham. He makes a great uh, talk about Abraham because he says, oh, how, how did Abraham, how was he reckoned as righteous? Was he righteous because of the law? Well, if you were to chronologically go through the Bible, you got the in the very beginning the creation of the world, the, Adam and Eve are created, the fall of man. After that, you've got, um, excuse me, the Tower of Babel, and then there, there's, oh, not Tower of Babel, I'm sorry, the foot, the, the Great Flood, then the Tower of Babel, and people are spread across all the world. And then later on, Abraham comes up on the scene. And Abraham, when he believed God, it was reckoned to him as righteous because of law. When did law come? Well, you got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, uh, several hundred years go by, plus the time they're in Egypt before Moses comes along, gets it, takes Israel out of Egypt. They go to Mount Sinai and receive the law some 430-something years later, after Moses. I mean, after uh, Abraham. A long time. Yet he was already righteous. So he's asking the Galatians, what makes you righteous? Law? Abraham was righteous. He didn't have law. He died not being under the law. What was it? The righteous man shall live by faith. Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 4. And he goes on and he talks about those who are uh, under law are cursed. Cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree. He talks about the Christ who took on the sins of the world. There in verse 14, in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Galatians so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Is he talking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? Or is he talking about salvation? He's talking about salvation there with the Spirit. It's the new life. We could not live life under the law. We couldn't keep it. We needed a better way. It was always intended to come through the Son, through Christ. He showed, he showed us the new, better way in Him. And then from there, uh, in verses, uh, let me get caught up on my notes here, verse 15, Paul's the next argument that righteousness is by faith and not by law is the inheritance uh, is that the inheritance is based on promise and not based upon law. That's 15 to 18. But we're not going to delve too much into that. And then he gets over to uh, verses 19 uh, down to verse 24. Paul points out the limitations of the law as compared to the promise. And there's really four points he makes there, but we're not going to, again, not dive into that. But notice at the end of chapter 3 here in Galatians, verses 25 to 29, he says, But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor, the tutor being the law. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. 
He's wrapping up the thought here with that. For all of you who have been baptized in Christ, have clothed yourself. You have died to self, and now you're living for Him. This is how you received the new way of life, this new spirit. You were baptized into Christ. Now, why would you leave that, Galatians? Why would you go away from that to a law-keeping type religion? A burden that even the Jews could not bear. Couldn't do it. Couldn't keep it. We needed a better way. And those of us who are baptized into Christ have clothed. We have put him on. If you're going to put on his way of thinking, you're going to get rid of your way of thinking. I now look at everything and I bring every thought and every uh, uh, thing that comes to my mind captive. 1 Corinthians chapter two, uh, 10. And I bring it before Christ and I say, all right, should I do this? Nope, throw it out. Should I do this? Yes, keep it. But it's all based on the standard of Christ. But I only have that standard if I know what the truth is. In verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Why? They're, they died. There is neither slave nor free man. Why? They're dead. There is neither male nor female. Why not? They're dead. For you are all one in Christ Jesus, in the one new man. You're one. And if you're one, that means you're all united together. We are all united together with the same thoughts. Just like with, I like using basketball as a, a, a way to point this out. you got teams over in New York. you got teams over, here in, or over there in California. And when they uh, uh, study and play and practice basketball, they may never meet one another, may not know anybody of the other team. And one day they meet together in one gymnasium to play basketball. They don't talk about it beforehand, but they start playing basketball, and they are all abiding by the rules, the same rules, and they play together perfectly. They're united in their understanding of what it means to play basketball. They don't have to work it all out. They just know. And if we are in Christ, we are baptized in Christ, that means we know something about the truth, and we're continuing in that truth, just like those in Acts chapter 2, after they were baptized, they continued to sit at the feet of the apostles, receiving truth. The Galatians received that truth from Paul, Although they're now moving away from that truth, that's what he's trying to figure out why. But if you have that, that means you're one in him. You have a new way of living life. And that brings us down here to chapter 4. I just want to point out one more thing. Uh, looking at verse, uh, let's just look at verses, well, we'll start in verse 1. Now I say as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the Father. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental, uh, elemental things of the world. He's talking about being under the law. But when the fullness of the time came, when Christ came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, because we could not keep it, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That's being part of the one new man, the, the new way of living. We are now living like Christ. Die to self, live for Christ. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I've been crucified with Christ. No, no longer I live. I kind of that out of order, but nevertheless, you get what I'm saying. 
And in verse 7, Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Because he gave us the Spirit. And that is his word. This is When you read the Bible, you're reading the mind and heart of God. And when you read it enough and you act upon those, those words of God, and you make a change in your life, you're baptized into Christ, and you keep studying his mind and heart, it's going, you're going to take it on. And the fruit of the Spirit will grow and flourish in you. And you'll begin to look like God. The Son, Christ. And if we look like Christ, that means we look like God. Because remember, Philip said, show us the Father. And he told him, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father, if you've seen me. Not physically, he's talking about his mind and his heart. And if we look like the Son, like Christ, we look like the Father. It's all about keeping things in their context, right? Study it out. Don't assume anything. Don't think, well, I know this, or, well, it's capitalized. It must mean this. Study it out. Find out if this is so. Know truth. And truth is being attacked a lot, not just by uh, the Bible, all truth out there. Well, I'm not a a male. I'm a female because that's how I identify. Buddy, you're a male. That's not true. We know that's not true. That's so silly, and yet that's what people are doing. More and more and more, they're coming up with differing terms and whatnot to identify people as. It's getting crazy. Truth is going out the window. Don't let that happen. Stand up for truth. Always stand up for the truth. But you've got to study. And if you know the truth, you can recognize all error. Make the most of every opportunity afforded you. Redeem the time, folks, for the days are evil. May the Lord bless you and be with you in all that you do. Be safe. Bring the message out. Sending up to sweep away till shut on the better day. Bring it out. Bring it out. Bring it out. Bring it out. Till the sinful world be one for Jehovah's mighty son. Bring it out. Bring it out. Bring it out.